Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. So I, I do have to preface what Pastor was saying with, uh, you know, just everything that's happening. I, I just realized in my life that uh, I am coming to a certain age. And so I just want to impart a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of wisdom that I've gained over time. And I'm, I'm realizing that certain things in my life have to change, right? So this is one of them. This is a giant print Bible. Can you guys see that in the back row? Darnell, can you read that for me? All right, Darnell's going to read for us. I'm just going to hold it up here. And um, I, I will tell you, and then, you know, I, th I thought a little bit about the music this morning. Oh, man, how about that worship set? Whew, man, if that don't get you fired up, your wood's wet. All right, so let's, let's just continue in that spirit. But I started thinking about it. I'm like, those are kind of old school, man. Those are like, you know, 80s, 90s. Like I, man, I was like, man, Caleb put an old school worship set together just for me because I'm old. All right, thank you, Kayla. Thank you. But just for me. It was just for me, right? So now I, um, I'm really excited uh, about what God is doing, and I'm really excited about an opportunity just to talk to you all and be real with you today. Uh, preaching is, it's a really scary thing to get up in front of people and talk to you all about what God has done in my life, because that, that's really what preaching is. And I will say that, you know, there are things that I learned in my time as a military instructor. So one of the things is, you know, you got to get people invested and keep their attention. And one of the ways that you do that is, you know, a little levity. So a little bit of jokes. So all right, I'm a dad, got my daughter right here, promised I wouldn't mention her, too bad, broken promise, all right, she can tell you I love dad jokes, all right, so I was, I was just thinking, you know, tell a few dad jokes, get your pen out, man, you're going to want these, you're going to want them, all right, so what do you get when you pamper a cow? Spoiled milk, all right, yeah, come on, you know, dad joke. I see the dads writing them down, all right, Andre, you got this, all right, here we go. All right, why do golfers bring extra socks to the golf course in case they get a hole in one? <laughs> so, all right. I know. So where do you learn to make a banana split? In Sunday school. All right. So we're not here to tell jokes, so we'll just get past that. But you know what I did here? So I was reading about how do you really – short messages. If you guys know anything about our past, is he still in here? No. Okay, good. I can talk about him. So, you know, our pastor, our pastor likes to really just get into points and he goes in depth, deep, detailed. Well, that's because it kind of results in, you know, the services running a little bit long from time to time, which is not a problem, man. The spirit of the Lord moves in here and that's where we're going to stay, right? We're going to, we're going to stay in that spirit. One of the things I was reading though, is like, there's a correlation between 
audience participation and what happens up here behind the pulpit. And so we see that 67% of the time when there's audience participation in the form of amens or hallelujahs or just reinforcing the point that the preacher's saying, that there's a 67% reduction in the time of service and how it runs. So that's what I'm talking about right there. You know what I'm saying? And listen, I'm just telling you, get into it. Let me know where we're headed, and I'll shorten this thing as much as I can. Of course, there is a 67% chance that I just made everything up. So anyways, all right, we're going to get into fasting, and um, I just wanted to, to lighten it up a little bit there. Um, how many of you grew up uh, either fasting or in a church that talked about fasting? You know, just raise your hand. Like, All right, a lot less than the morning service. But here's what I'll tell you. How many of you didn't grow up in a church that talked about fasting? All right. And the rest of you just don't like to raise your hand in church, right? Okay. Gotcha. I, got, I know who you are. I see you. I'm not a hand raiser. Matt will say, like, how many of you want the Spirit of God to move? I'm like, well, of course I do. Why do I have to raise my hand, Matt? Like, it's not the church I was raised in, right? But I started thinking about it. Like, why, why is it we have such a hard time with fasting? And it's not something that's taught in a lot of churches. And so I did a lot of research, and uh, what I'm finding is uh, I found three points common in all the different research. Uh, one was Christians fear fasting. Sometimes you fear the unknown, and you don't really understand what's going to happen when you fast. You don't, under, you don't think you're going to be able to handle it. Uh, if I do without this, because most of the time fasting is about food, but if I, if I do without food, am I going to be able to handle that? Uh, so God has not given us a spirit of fear, all right? So we don't need to fear this thing of fasting. Um, the other uh, second point was ignorance. So that's just a lack of knowledge. The, the churches today don't really preach on fasting, and they don't preach on the capability that fasting gives you. And so I, I'll tell you, I'm going to get a little bit real with you this morning. Uh, I'm going to let you know I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and um, I think part of the reason why I never heard about fasting is, if you know anything about Southern Baptists, is they love their potlucks. The mom activity is going to have a potluck. The worship night was going to have a potluck, but it's at the end of the fast, so I think we're going to do without. But let me tell you, like, we didn't go, like, two weeks in the Baptist church without having some sort of potluck. I mean, there was fried chicken at every single event, even if it was a breakfast, you know what I'm saying? So this is, I grew up, food was just a very much part of church and growing up. And so I think from that perspective, the preacher didn't really want to, you know, preach on something that everyone held so near and dear. So I can't fault them. Uh, it's just something that it, it's not something that's practiced widely uh, in a lot of Christian churches today. But we hope to change that because it is something that can absolutely move mountains. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And the third reason, and I, I hate to even say this, is because there are segments within our churches that are just in open spiritual rebellion to God. That's one of the main reasons why we don't fast, is we understand that it's right to do. We understand that uh, it's helpful to us. We understand the power that it holds, but it's just not something that we want to practice. Like, I don't want uh, to do that. I don't want to participate in that. And that's just a spirit, that's a heart condition. So if our heart condition isn't right, that tends to lead to us not wanting to fast. And so 
we talked about what fasting was last uh, last week. We talked a little bit about um, you know how to fast, the benefits of fasting. So now we're going to cover the why. Why should we fast? And not only why should we fast, what is that why whenever we start fasting? And I want you all to just try to open up your minds and absorb as much of this as possible, not because it's any great revelation, but just because it's something that I think is going to help you. It's something that I wasn't taught uh, growing up in church, and it's something that I, I don't think that a lot of churches do teach, but it's straight out of the Bible, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. One of the things that uh, I wanted to let you all know, and by the way, if this is your first service here, this is a very unusual message. Please come back for another message, but uh, this should help um, later on down the road. So I was, uh, I was in the Army for 22 years, and uh, some of you know what I did in the Army. Uh, I was an interrogator, uh, That's and part of that job is it's a human intelligence collector, and so the other thing that I did is I ran sources. So I developed spy networks to where people would come to me and you know report information to me, and you basically get them to betray their country. So it's a really cool job. So, anyways, um, one of the overwhelming factors in in people wanting to provide information was money. We called it the love of money. And in my early career, I really thought that money was the source of what they were after. But it never is. It's not the money. It's, people aren't just getting money to obtain it and sit on it. It's they, what they wanted to do with the money. That was their real motivation. And so as we look at fasting, I want you to look at it's not the fast that is the goal. It's the why. Why do we need to fast? There's something underlying in your spiritual walk that you want to fast for. It may be something in your own life. It may be something in one of your loved one's life. It may be something for somebody sitting in the pew next to you. It may be something that you want to see done in the church or in your family or in just anything. It may be something that you're having great victory in, but you want to see more victory. So we're going to talk a little bit about the why this morning. As I researched uh, reasons that people fasted in the Bible, I see uh, quite a few of them. You know, fasting is mentioned over 70 times in the Bible, and so I'm not going to go through all 70 for sake of time since Pastor preached half of my message anyway. Thank you, Pastor. All right, so uh, one was to strengthen prayer. Anyone else want a better prayer life? All right, came out of Ezra. To seek God's guidance. Anybody need God's guidance? Came out of Judges. To express grief. Anybody suffering in here with grief, a loss of a loved one? You know, we hear about it all the time. So that's, that's another reason. To express repentance and return to God. It happened in Jonah, which is where we're going this morning. To humble oneself before God. We see it in 1 Kings. I've got about 20 examples here, but I want to end with a couple. One was to be sanctified. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to need God to move greatly in one area and remove something, but it can be just, God, I want to see better results with my Bible reading. I want to see better results in my prayer time. I want a deeper connection with you, God. That comes about by fasting and prayer, and we're going to talk about that. And then the last thing, uh, to change God's mind. 
Have you all ever thought about the fact that God designed a way for you to come to him, to open yourself up to him in order to just come and sit before him and say, God, we don't want this to happen. God, I don't want this in my life. Or God, I want you to change this. And we're going to see in the story of Jonah, they did that because God was going to destroy them all. But through their actions, through their heart, change of heart, and through fasting and prayer, uh, we see that God changes his heart. So as we go to our reading, open up your Bibles if you got them. Uh, if not, Darnell, I'll just turn this around and you can read the Bible. Um, I won't do that. Uh, we're going to go to Jonah chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly, extremely, sorry, was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh, it says, by order of the king and his royal nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God saw their actions, that, he, that they had turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had, threatened, uh, he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. We're going to talk a little bit about fasting and what it does in our spiritual life and the power and the impact that it can have. First thing that I want to look at is why consider fasting? So when you look at fasting, why is it so important that we do consider it? Uh, one is we believe that God is in control and that he will do what he says he will do. So in verse 5, it mentions uh, in our first point, then the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed that God was going to destroy the city because of their wickedness. We see that their belief drove them to repentance, and their repentance, in turn, drove them to fasting. And why should we consider fasting? It's because we believe that God will do what he says he will do. You know, no matter uh, your situation, whether you're struggling in sin or attempting to break a stronghold in your life, or whether you just want to see miracles happen, I know that we have a lot of people in here with medical situations that we want to see God move in. We want to see miracles happen. No matter what uh, we have, uh, whether it's a financial breakthrough or we want stronger relationship, fasting is designed to give us the best chance at seeing God move in our lives. And so why should we uh, consider it? Well, God's promises. And uh, it's funny because in the morning service, I didn't 
I didn't quote Matthew 11, but pastor just quoted it up here. And I remembered it and I wrote it down. Um, here's a promise from God. Matthew 11 talks about, Come unto me, all you who are weak and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a promise that God gives us that as we draw closer to him, that as we start to seek him and we take on his characteristics, we take on his yoke, we take his burden, that's going to be light. Are you struggling today with something in your life? You can use fasting as a tool in order to get you to a place to where you release some things in the physical world. That's all we said fasting was, is we're taking some things out of our physical life. Whether it's food, whether it's the internet, whether it's phone, whether it's people. I don't, I don't know if we can fast from people, but, you know, some of us want to, right? All right, so anyways, whether we want to do all this, we take them and we remove it. We take these, these physical things and remove it and we open up ourselves for spiritual opportunity. Removing the physical to make room for the spiritual. That's all fasting is. And as we see these promises, do you want to claim some of these promises that God had? Let me tell you, there are promises of strength. There are promises of provision. There are promises to never leave you or forsake you. There are promises of protection. There are promises of freedom from sin. How many people want to sin less? All right, the 14 of you that raised your hand, like I know the rest of you want it too, but you don't have to raise your hand because we already covered that. You don't like raising your hands, but. I think that we want these promises. I think that we need these promises in our life. And some of these things are only going to come about by fasting. There is a tool that God has given us in our tool belt. And I like to equate it to that. Prayer is, or fasting is not necessarily a tool for every situation. I don't know if you can fast in like a, a second, but maybe prayer is just like, Grace has something that she wants me to pray for. I don't, I don't. All right, I'm going to fast for you for 24 hours. Well, I, I, 12 hours, it's going to happen. So that's not necessarily a tool for every situation. But it may be something that it's for the right situation. And so as we get ready to take on a 21-day opportunity, and I like to think that God has given us opportunity, that's really all that fasting is. It's an opportunity for us to wipe out some things and to replace them with spiritual as we take the opportunity that God has given us, we really need to understand that we're going to claim God's promises and that this is a tool that we need in order to claim those promises. It's not a tool that fits every situation, but it is a tool that is greatly beneficial. And it's a tool that if you've never fasted before, take an opportunity to do that in this 21 day because you may not be going through a season to where you need it right now as far as like it's not dire like it was in Nineveh. It's not a life or death situation. But it may be that God is going to prepare you during this 21 days to have a tool at your disposal that you can take out and, and, and utilize it to absolutely just reach out to him and to experience him in a greater way whenever you need it in a deeper meaning. You know, I think about all the illnesses that we have in the church and in the, in the world today, and I think about all the evil. So some of us are not going through those things, but I'm going to sit and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast 
And I'm going to use that so that when time comes that I absolutely have to have it, it's going to be practiced. I'm going to know how to use that tool better than I did before. So you may not be in that season, but we want you to try to take an opportunity. Join us with the fast. So why should we, uh, why consider fasting? Uh, it's because we believe God is in control and he will do what he says he will do. The second point that we have is why practice fasting? So we believe that fasting is a very effective spiritual tool when utilized with other spiritual significant actions. Verse 8 says, Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Now, there are two actions that we see here that accompany fasting. And one of the things that I looked at is when I looked at fasting throughout the Bible, and it's mentioned over 70 times, a vast majority of that is it's accompanied with another spiritual action. So the two together make for a more effective tool, a more effective scenario that you can utilize in order to experience God in a different way. Um, looking at uh, covering with sackcloth and ashes. So for those of you who don't know what sackcloth is, uh, I kind of equated it to a burlap sack. Um, but it's made of goat hair or camel hair. And if you've never had anything made of goat hair or camel hair, pass on that. Just hard, hard pass, all right? Um, it's, it's very itchy. <laughs> but here's what I'll tell you is, um, so Cody was telling me, you know, I should give you guys a verbal, uh, not verbal, a visual just representation of what, you know, sackcloth is, and I should wear sackcloth. And I was like, hmm, I could do that. I could wear a burlap sack, right? And then I started realizing how they practiced this. is like it was basically a loincloth. And I was like, no, <laughs> not. <laughs> I don't think I want it. It's 40 degrees outside. I know y'all don't want it, all right? <laughs> Anyways, we're going to drop that. So what did sackcloth represent, though? Sackcloth uh, represented, a, it symbolized sorrow or submission. So you see it a lot with people who are in grief, but you also see it as a sign that they're submitting themselves to God. And so in our lives, how do we bring that? Well, we have to submit certain things to God. And like Pastor said, where's the priority in your life? If there's something that we're prioritizing over God, well, we need to be able to put on the sackcloth and say, you know what, I'm going to submit to God and I'm going to give him reign over that area. So that might be one of our whys. So the second thing that I see is uh, calling out earnestly to God. Now, there, there was something that jumped out to me was the word earnestly. So this is prayer. So not only did they start fasting, but they put on uh, sackcloth and ashes. And all, by the way, ashes represent sorrow, grief as well. And so they're in a very heavy situation. They're, they're actually going to God and asking them to spare uh, their lives. And so... Now they're going to accompany this with a petition, an earnest petition to God. And that's a deep, heartfelt thing. And when's the last time that we earnestly prayed about anything? And I'm not here to try to guilt anybody. I'm trying to, I'm trying to just make you realize that sometimes I think we only scratch the surface of what God has given us when it comes to prayer. And I think that we really need to take this 21 days and really earnestly pray to God about something. 
because that combined with fasting is going to give you a whole new perspective on those things that burden you, those things, those, the bondage that you experience in life, you know, breaking these chains of bondage, uh, whether it's just uh, overcome, maybe it's just increasing the goodness that God has in your life. You want, you have a great prayer life, but you want a, an exceedingly abundant prayer life. Maybe you have a really good Bible time with God, but you want a great Bible time with God. Maybe it's not just about those things that bond you. Maybe it's about increasing those things that are good for you. And so as we look at, as we look at them calling out to God, we see that the situation was dire, like they needed to do something. And so whenever those situations come up, we have a tendency to really get earnest about it, right? Why don't we that way about everything? Why don't we take that to our, our next 21 days and practice it and just see what God can do? You know, try, try God out and see, see what he'll do for you. He, he's pretty good about, you know, coming back with some good stuff. So as we remove something from our physical being, which in this case, it was food for the Ninevites, uh, we should incorporate more spiritual activities. And fasting linked with prayer and the word of God only increases our ability to communicate with God on a deeper level. So we see so many examples of this in the Bible. Uh, one of the ones I pulled out was Nehemiah. He was praying and fasting because of his deep distress over the news that Jerusalem had been desolated. Uh, his many days of prayer were characterized by tears, fasting, confession on behalf of his people, and pleas to God for mercy. One of the things that really stood out to me there was he shed tears. And it was confession on behalf of everybody. When's the last time we worried about our brother and sister, the people sitting in this room right now, about the struggles that they have, about the bondage that they experience? Has it brought us to the point of tears? And I can be like upfront with you. It's been a while since, since my prayer life has brought me to that. And I want that back. I want that. So when I go to God and I start fasting, I want to be that earnest. I want to be how Nehemiah was for his people. Uh, we see Anna in the New Testament, never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. That's in Luke 2. At the age of 24, her prayer and fasting were part of her service to the Lord. You ever thought about doing it just because it's good, something that Jesus did and we should really serve the Lord? So there's another opportunity there for service. And then uh, in Acts, <clears throat> they ordained Paul and Barnabas. So we see that it's not all about weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. They were ordaining these two men to go out into the mission field. And so there was prayer and fasting there in Acts when they sent people out. Uh, Daniel, was there was prayer and fasting for the confession of sins of, uh, of, of the nation. So there was also a situation that I want to bring up. It just kind of shows you the power and drives home the point. There was uh, an example of the disciples, and they're trying to cast out this demon from a boy. And they failed. And so they brought the boy to Jesus. And Jesus was able to cast out the demon. And the disciples couldn't understand it. They were like, why? You know, why didn't we, uh, why weren't we able to do that? And so 
he basically boiled it down to lack of faith. But they could have done it through prayer and fasting. That's the power in which Jesus himself said there is power in prayer and fasting. So why should you consider it? Because it's, it'll unlock a power in your relationship with God that you've never experienced before. All right, so the last point that we got is the why of fasting. And I want to sit in this for just a few minutes, and I want to tell you guys um, there needs to be a purpose to your fast. It's not just for the type A people is like, all right, challenge accepted. All right, I will not eat food for 21 days. Oh, I can do it. I can do it, right? Now, there needs to be a why behind this. And so if, if you're going to take, what, what was that? Yes, Jesus. <laughs> All right. So Jesus agrees there should be a why, and it sounded like Sports Center. <laughs> but my phone's in the back room, so I don't know where Jesus is coming from right now. So. All right. So when we look at the why of fasting, what do you want to see actualized in your life and in the lives of others? It doesn't necessarily need to be about you. So, for instance, uh, in Verse 9 in point 3 says, Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. That's some why. Okay, they're asking God not to wipe them off the face of the earth. That is quite a bit of why. All right, but they didn't know whether or not God would do it, but they knew that fasting and earnestly seeking God would give them the best chance of success. They, you saw that there was repentance, and then after that repentance, they took action. So, you know, a majority of us in here have accepted Christ as Savior. What are we doing to take that action? What's that next step to show God? By the way, in verse 10, it says God saw their actions. It was a realization of the heart condition that they had that came to fruition. So if we really want to show God that we prioritize him, we could wipe some of these things out that take priority over him. We can wipe some of these things out that we place above him. Oh, and let me tell you what, like we, we were in a connect group on Thursday and we're all making lists of things that we prioritize over God. And so I'm like, man, this, this is like a really spiritual group and we're like, we're dropping things that we prioritize. So I know that they're out there and fasting is absolutely a way that we can, get our priorities back in order. But it all starts with the why. So successfully fasting is keeping the why at the forefront of your journey. I believe many Christians will, you know, they attempt to fast, but they focus more on the tool than they do the result, the why. They focus more on the journey than they do the end result. And I love how Pastor put it this morning. There is joy in the journey. You can see some amazing things but it's keeping that why in front of you at every step that's really going to be vital in you seeing the success that you want to see and in your relationship with God. If we look at uh, why and we remind ourselves daily, um, I'm, I'm about to tell you a little bit about myself and, and, and my, my journey with food, um, but one of the things that I've learned is, uh, you know, I have a mission statement. It's a why statement. And Karen has told me, like, you need to put that thing on the fridge, the pantry, the stove, you know, <laughs> just wherever I can have access to food. You need to remember why you're doing this. So let me encourage you. You get your why. Absolutely write it on that banner. Writing it down just seals it 
you know, it's psychologically it seals it. But we're going to pray for it. We're going to pray with you. This is, a, this is a joint journey that we have, right? But write it down for yourself and put it where it's going to remind you. Now, the fasting should bring you to a point like when you don't have this in your life, it reminds you to go to your why and to pray about that and to seek God about that and commune with God. Just spend time. You know, I, I want to increase my worship time as well. That's something that I've cut out since I don't travel. I, I work from home now. I don't spend nearly as much time listening to music So because I don't have an hour drive both ways. But those are things that we can absolutely add in. And we need to keep in mind the why. So <clears throat> just with a little bit of transparency, um, I told you that I grew up in the South. I'm Southern Baptist. I was, man, I was hardcore, right? Let me tell you about a little bit about relationship that I have with food. And, you know, whenever, um, whenever I came to this church, I didn't understand addiction. And so a lot of my brothers and sisters in here have really opened my eyes to what addiction really means. And so I really had to look at, you know, through my life, my father passed away when I was two. I didn't have a male figure in my life. Um, you know, my mom worked nights taking care of the three kids. And so it's just something that, you know, relationship-wise that I, I never equated with food. And then when I started looking at where I turned to in my time for comfort, where I got my joy from, you know, what brings me, you know, the most joy in life, my answers started to be not spiritual. They started to be a little bit more towards things in this world. And I'm not saying that you can't enjoy food because Marlon and I still want some barbecue. You know what I'm saying? All right, got me. All right. After the fast. All right. But what I realized was that because I never approached it through my spiritual means, that I never really gained control over it. And it, it, it's kind of taken over my life here over the last few years. And it wasn't a problem while I was in the military. Hey, listen, man, they're going to wake you up. You get up at 4 in the morning. You go run 400 miles. You do 400 push-ups. You do 400. So you know what I'm talking about, Terry. You know what I'm saying. Like just, they just force all that on you. And you can eat 15 pizzas in a week and be healthy, right? But for me, it was whenever I stopped all that, you know, and I, I left the military service is I didn't have any control over it. And so something that you don't have control over, I like to tell people there are three aspects uh, to a person. So it's physical, emotional, and spiritual. And when you have something that's out of balance in one of those, it, it will affect the other portions of your life. And so your spiritual aspect should lean into your other two aspects. And what I'm realizing now is I never gained control of my food from a spiritual aspect. I didn't think I was out of control. And, you know, and then I had some things happen in my life, and, you know, my health is not what it used to be, and it just kind of opened my eyes to it. And so what I'm telling you is that's my why. I want, I don't want food to be a barrier to God, and it's not just about a health thing. It's not about a physical thing with me. But whenever I turn to food for my spiritual comfort, and I know that sounds kind of weird, but I do. Because I prioritize food in my life, and it will absolutely rule my life. 
And so now I'm looking to gain control of that. I want to break the stronghold of food in my life. And strangely enough, I'm going to do a food fast, right? So as I have those hunger pains, and, and, and listen, they're going to happen. I know because we did, we did the Daniel diet um, the last two years when we did our fasting in a four-hour window. And let me tell you, you're going to have a little bit of hunger pains if you fast from food. But as I do, I really want that to remind me that this has food does not have control over me. My God, who is greater than anything, has that control over me. And I want God to rule in my life. So if I don't create space somehow, if I don't cut back on that food, then how am I going to give God that control? How am I going to give him the ability to operate in my life? Well, I have to cut that back. And so what I'm going to spend the next 21 days doing is figuring out what that looks like when I come out of the fast. And so God and I are going to have some deep conversations. He's going to yell at me. By the way, God calls me Robinson, too. I don't know why he calls us both Robinson. What's that about, God? All right. But um, he's, he's sure he's going to, you know, enlighten me with some things that I don't want to hear. But I'm willing to accept them. I have to make room for them. I have to make my life more open to God. And really, that's what fasting is, is you're making your life more open to God, whether it's for your benefit, whether it's for the benefit of the other people who are here with you. It, it, it doesn't matter, but figure out your why. What is it in your life that you can honestly say that holds such a level of importance that you're willing to sacrifice your relationship with God? It may be a difficult time of searching and it's a difficult <laughs> self-assessment is a very difficult area to go through like if you're looking to see you know what do I have in my life that I prioritize well it may be food you know it may be uh, TV you know it may be the stupid little candy crush game thing that I flick and I can't win and but if I spend more time with that than I do reading my Bible there's a problem and so I just want to challenge you, like, it's, I've done the fasting, but I didn't keep the why, the focus of what I was doing. And so I saw some results, but I didn't really harness everything that God had for me. So I'm so much looking forward to really getting in. I put it on the banner. I want you all to pray with me that God would break my bondage of, of food in my life. And so there's going to be some physical things that I go through. There's going to be some emotional things that I go through. But more importantly, there are going to be a lot of spiritual things that I go through whenever I do this. Is fasting easy? No. Is it absolutely worth it? Yes. So let me challenge you. Find something in your life. Commit to it over this next 21 days. Open yourself up so that as we go throughout the year, it may be that we do, um, not we, but... You may need to do a 24-hour fast to do that deep spiritual cleanse and you know, reconnection with God, and you'll know that you can do it because you did it for 21 days. So let me, let me just encourage you. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.